Hey everyone, this is Dawn. And this is Dylan. And this is Sex Gets Real. We wanted to remind everybody that we are eager for your questions and comments about the last episode and anything you'd like to hear us discuss coming up. Feel free to pop by our Facebook page. You just search for Sex Gets Real or you can go to sexgetsreal.com and use our submission form there to send us any concerns or thoughts that you have. We're happy to discuss them on a future podcast. We do actually have a couple of questions that came in from people that we're going to talk about today. And we're just going to go ahead and dive right in. First question came in and it says, my best friend is into BDSM and her fiance is not. He allows her to go on adventures, shall we say, that don't involve him. It works for them quite well, but it's still a bit confusing. I'd love to hear how to support her in whatever she does. I just need some insight. Um, I think there'd be interest for all readers who aren't sure about how to ask taboo questions of their friends. Sounds like this person is a little confused about how kind of monogamish, if we were going to use a Dan Savage term, or open relationships might work. What are your thoughts, Dylan? Uh, It does sound monogamish. And I must say that if the guy is willing to allow her to go do adventures and not do any himself, that's like a huge plus or a lot of trust or evolved enough that you don't have jealousy, you know, because that is like a huge factor, I think, in that, that you can allow that and not expect anything in return or... Uh, what was your question again? She wants to know oh, kind oh. of how that works. Well, my thing was, she said, pe- for people who are afraid to ask the taboo question, what is the taboo questions? I think she probably wants to know more about how they even got to that arrangement and then how it works, but she doesn't ah, want to seem unsupportive okay. by asking her directly. Okay. I think she's trying to be supportive but doesn't want to come off as being defensive or confused. Right, right, So maybe right. how to have a conversation How do you have like a conversation that? with the friend who goes on adventures? Right. Oh, I see. Okay. I feel like if you're in a place where you have an open relationship, you'd probably welcome questions. Yeah, I mean, if obviously the girl shared that with her friend, that uh, she was allowed to go on these adventures, and it's cool, it works out, and I'm sure the friend is concerned about the woman's safety who's going on adventures or is there, you know, the possibility of catching something? I would just say, since the woman brought it up and said, hey, we do these adventure things or whatever, that it's open. The door's been open for you to ask me questions. I'm willing to talk about it. So ask away. Because it took a certain amount of trust for the Mm friends to even put that on the table. Correct. So if you don't understand, ask. I would say just try and leave any bias that you have out of your questions, you may not hear what you're expecting to hear. Right. And it might not have been an easy road for them to get where they... Yes. ...where they are. Exactly. I feel like that's really important. I think a lot of people who explore open relationships or poly or swinging have a lot of starts and stops as they figure it out. Yeah, and I guess the interesting thing is on her adventures, is it like polyamory is she having a whole nother relationship or is she just going off on you know these random adventures every now and then does that make it monogamish or polyamorous well she opens with my best friend is into bdsm and her fiance is not so my guess is her adventures are probably playing okay you know with a dominant or Uh, taking a submissive or going to play spaces or sex clubs yeah yeah and you know what though i mean i think 
if I were just putting my two cents in, I think that's a great relationship that he allows her to go do that and fully trust. And who knows, we might not know the extent of, oh, obviously we don't know the extent. When these adventures take place, is there penetration or is there just role playing or is it just she goes out and explores that scene? Are there multiple sex partners? Who knows? Ask away. Ask yeah. those questions, I would say. I agree. Yeah. I think it shows support when you show interest. So even if it's not something you do or you're, you're necessarily interested in, when you sit down and you say, I'm really interested in your life and I'd like to know more about how your relationship works so I know how to support you better. Yeah. I think that conversation just is going to happen really like naturally. I'm intrigued. I'm exactly. intrigued in how does that how does that work for you? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that I think that's the best way to show support is to show interest. So the next question comes from a woman who says, "How do I get my amazingly sweet ex- not extremely sexual partner on board with kinky adventures and desires?" That's a that's a tough road. It's a slow road. But you have to be able to feel comfortable enough to have these type of conversations with your partner, mm-hmm. your loved one, whatever. Because if you can't, then it, it it's never going to take place. You know, right. you can throw all these little hints like, hey, let's watch this movie. It looks really kinky. But he or she might not understand what you're putting out. You know, are you picking up what I'm putting down kind of thing? Right. And I know... There will be a lot of roadblocks. Let's let's take me and my experience, for example. You introduce something, and it's totally something that your partner has never experienced, like anal sex. Hey, you know, I like anal sex. Uh, no, that is exit only. You might get that. <laughs> you might get that for a long time. You might get that for what might seem like I'm never going to get as I endearingly term it, butt love. (laughs) And then one day, uh, you know, somebody might, um, okay, so I've been thinking about it, you know. But you're going to get a lot of that with everything. And I I have learned from experience that you just, you really have to take baby steps and you really have to be patient. Mm -hmm. If you just keep putting little cues out there that eventually someone might come around. And then you, but you have to tell them in, in yes. one way or another, look, I really en- enjoy anal sex, or I've had that in the past, or uh, look, I really get off on tying somebody up and putting them into submission, or I think it'll come down to, you know, hey, that's not, that's not for me, that's not my thing, and kind of like the previous question we just had, maybe the husband, that wasn't his thing, but hey, go out and find somebody you can do this with. Mm -hmm. You never know. I just feel like unless you actually put it out there, you never know where your starting ground is. And I think it's kind of scary when you're in a relationship to be vulnerable and say something like that Mm -hmm. because you're putting yourself at risk for rejection. And so there's this person that you care so much about. And if you say, hey, I really want to get whipped, and they look at you like a complete freak and shut down then that rejection is going to hurt. Right. But in order to get what you want, you're going to have to take risks like that and you're going to have to be vulnerable. And I do think there's a fun way to approach these things too. You know, I mean, you you don't do it in the middle of having like vanilla sex and say something like, this is really boring and I'd like to do something else. That's (laughs) That's not good at all. That's not the right way to approach this. You know, to have a fun conversation about 
talking about fantasies or to show them something that you found really sexy, I'll tell you, I think one of the best resources out there is Tumblr. If there's something you're interested in and you go out to Tumblr, let's say you're really into ropes. I can tell you there's tens of thousands of people who have Tumblr blogs that have super sexy rope pictures. And if you were to find a couple that just really resonated with you and then show them to your partner and say, hey, I think this is really hot. Maybe this is something we could try. There's enough distance that you're looking at something that's not you and your partner can kind of see it objectively. I think that's a really fun way to have conversations, to be able to mm -hmm. show what you're interested in. Because if you say, I want to play with rope, and your partner has never heard of that before, they might think you want to hang by a noose. Or they might think you just want to get strapped to the bed and that doesn't sound very sexy. Being able to actually visualize what it is that you want helps to kind of take some of that fear away because then their mind's not going to run rampant and think, oh my God, what does that mean? I don't know how to do ropes. I don't know how to do right. strap-on sex or, you know, right. whatever. It kind of demystifies it a little bit. Yeah, you definitely do have to prepare yourself for a lot of rejection, <laughs> a lot of rejection. But, you know, things that you think may never come to fruition do, but it takes baby steps. Mm -hmm. I, I, I am proof. <laughs> Proof positive that it is uh, you are not stuck with vanilla sex forever as long as you have you do have to put yourself out there and ask those questions that those very uncomfortable questions and you never know you never know until you ask that you might find some very surprising responses I think it's also interesting too to just think about your own journey mm -hmm. if you are a super kinky person and you start dating somebody who's either not very experienced or is just pretty vanilla because they haven't been exposed to a lot of things some people are just born crazy kinky I mean there are just some 18 and 19 year olds who are just out there doing really crazy mm -hmm. stuff but I don't know that that's everybody yeah we all kind of have our own learning curve and you got super kinky because you were putting yourself out there and you were learning and you were stretching yourself, but you weren't always this knowledgeable. You right. weren't always this kinky. I think it's important to remind yourself that you were on a road that took you down this path and now your partner has to walk that same path. It's not going to happen overnight. Correct. There has yeah. to be a lot of education and, you know, as frustrating as the patients can be, if there's a lot of trust and you're having open communication, I think think that you'll see change. It just might not happen as quickly as you want it to. Right, and it's worth it. If you're with a partner, you know that this is the one, this is the one that you want to spend the rest of your life with or yeah. in the very near future. You just have to put it out there. I, you know, you don't want to sit there and get so depressed in your relationship thinking, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to explore this kink or whatever it is unless you put it out there. And, yeah. you know, and then there has to be that little determination factor mm -hmm. too where I'm like, I will get that. I, yeah, I will I'm gonna get. I'm gonna butt love. I want butt love, and I'm gonna get it. And you just wheat your way right into it, you know, and patiently. Yeah, patiently. And I think it's also important to keep in mind that you're not necessarily expecting your partner to change. You're just yeah. helping to kind of educate them, and yeah. then allowing something to unfold. But if you're not super committed to this relationship, or you're not sure if it's gonna last. It's also okay to just realize you're not sexually compatible with somebody. Yeah. And that's a huge reason to not stay with somebody. Yeah. You know, I mean, you don't want to be miserable all of the time or thinking about cheating or the other person cheats. Yeah. Or you're wishing you had something different. That's a very valid yeah. reason to say, you know what, I don't think this is going to yeah. work. Yeah, because you know it, it ends up leading to cheating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or lies. Yeah. Or mm -hmm. just being miserable, which then leads to fights. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've been there. 
where there's just... It's sad. I've heard one side of a couple will come to me and tell me that they are so super kinky and they want to try so many things. And when they bring it up to the other partner, they're like, uh, yeah, that's never going to happen. So don't even think about it. And then they shut down sexually for like two weeks, yeah. you know, and I, that's not fair. It's like punishment or you're angry or jealous. And the one partner just feels like, oh, it's never going to happen, you know, mm -hmm. defeated. And it just causes a lot of friction in, in relationships. And you try to have, I guess, a conversation. Try, you know, It's going to take two, of course. Yeah. A conversation where you might have some productive exchange as opposed to just an immediate shutdown. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, you know, I think we go back to how we were raised and what we were believed that sex was supposed to be like, you know? Right. So vanilla. I mean, I think people go out of a little bit of the spectrum of what is vanilla and not just missionary, but okay, the occasional doggy style or whatever, mm -hmm. the occasional, you know, have somebody Handcuffs. bent over the bed, you yeah. know, which is still sort of like soft vanilla or whatever, hard vanilla, however you want to call it. But they don't know or they were you know that's bad or or they're slutty mm -hmm. you know that's people have those images and you know in my partner's past it, that was the thing you know if I said oh my god I want to fuck you so bad or whatever they were like no don't say that that just makes it dirty or it cheapens it but if you embrace it it's fucking hot you know yeah. what I mean yeah and that might be the same way when somebody talks about exploring kink mm -hmm. like no that's for freaks or whatever you right. know there's such a bad uh, negative attachment to it and it's not and I you know that's where the work is cut out for the one who wants to explore exactly to be patient and hope that it works out yeah. I would just say keep keep trying yeah and but, for all those yeah, people that aren't yeah. in relationships I think that this is a perfect kind of question that proves you need to be having open sexual conversations from the get-go I agree with you on that 100% yeah. from like the minute you meet somebody. Yes, and that's literally what I do. Yeah. I mean, like the moment I start talking to somebody that I'm either considering dating or that I'm considering playing yeah. with, we start having sex conversations. Yeah. What are you into? Exactly. What won't you do? What do you think is fun? What are your right. fantasies? What have you done in the past? Because I want all that stuff on the table so that down the road, if something changes or I want to try something right. new, it's not shocking. Right. You know, I haven't been hiding any part of myself. Right. We know kind of what direction we're headed in. And if right. we're not compatible right from the beginning right. I don't have to even try that dance right it's like hey my name is Don you know I work uh, in the government I'm a G8 and I like to fuck kinky style yeah you know what I mean it's like yeah. oh, first that, sentence that's my first day boom whatever <laughs> it's like okay you want to know about me a little bit and then here's my sex boom <laughs> that is that puts it out there I mean like that's how we made like some really good friends my wife and I met a friend at a local restaurant and like right off the bat there was like this they're just a, a guy friend of ours, mm -hmm. and we just were talking random about sex, and I'm like, boom, I want to hang out with you, dude. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? It's like, all right, we can do this. We can, <laughs> And that's the way it should be like with people that you're interested in. It's like, oh, you know, and you never know. Right. That's how you don't have to worry about trying to ease that conversation in yeah. if you started off with, I love. Open sex conversation I from the start. I love love. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Butt love. Yeah, I like to tie a girl up and smooth and spank her ass every now and then. You know, whatever. See? <laughs> Dylan's getting into this now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. So, next question. This next one is from a woman who I spoke with. She is really wanting to go out and 
sleep around. You know, she wants to sexually explore and she wants to try having different partners, but she's really scared about STDs. Her question to us is, my biggest concern is being totally STD free. I'm a single mom and I've had long periods of being abstinent because I'm terrified of the fact that the more sex partners you engage with, the more likely STDs may occur. That includes oral sex as well. Not many people use dental dams. Just curious if you have any thoughts on the topic because this is truly one of the biggest issues keeping me from being more uninhibited. Mm, good question. So I think that's an amazing question. There's so much information out there, both that's right and that's misleading. One of the most important things I think you can do is have a conversation with a doctor who's very sex positive. That can be hard to find. If there's a Planned Parenthood near you or something along those lines, HIV clinic, anywhere where people that are very educated about sex, STDs, safe sex practices, and having a really honest conversation about your options, that's key. You can also get good information on websites like Planned Parenthood, but just personally, STDs are something that I am very worried about myself, and I've let that fear prevent me from living the life that I wanted to lead many times over the years. One of the things that really kind of opened my eyes was I was listening to Dan and Savage, and he said that no sex activity is risk-free. And you have to decide what amount of risk you're willing to take on. And when I first started getting back out into the dating field and I was looking for play partners, I specifically said in my profile that I was not going to engage in sexual intercourse. I was only interested in hands and maybe mouths if things progressed to a certain point. And I have to tell you, being that upfront on my profile, I got, I got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of requests from people who absolutely liked what I had put in my profile and said that they would respect what I had in my profile. Some pushed, you know, and said, well, won't you have sex with me? And I would say no. And the truth of the matter was the people who came at me and said, I'm absolutely willing to play with you. I'll do just hands. I think that's awesome. I'll respect your boundaries. I think you're super hot. Got sex. That's because it immediately made me realize this person at least respects me on some basic level. Uh And once we started talking and we talked about STDs, that's also one of the first things that I talk about was when was the last time you were tested when I start talking to somebody new. But put it out there. I mean, if you're really worried about STDs, decide what actions you're willing to do, what types of playing you're willing to do, and then be really upfront about that. I promise there are partners out there who are absolutely willing to do whatever it is you want to do and nothing more. So that's my first thing. My second thing is, if this is something you really want to do, you have to be willing to take on a little bit of risk. Otherwise, don't sit and spin about it and feel like you're missing out. You just have to make a choice and then live with it. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be uninhibited, think about ways you can minimize risk, either using dental dams or using condoms or only using hands until you feel really comfortable with somebody or don't. But realize that's the choice that you want to make and then don't torture yourself over it. I can tell you from my experience that when we were getting ready to explore, you know, other avenues and maybe think about bringing in some play partners. My wife and I have been together for eight years. So we've been clean. We knew, you know, obviously we didn't have testing or anything done prior to that. We just kind of leap of faith, whatever. In the eight years we've been together, you know, we haven't had any issues. 
And then we thought about it and we're like, you know, what about STDs if we bring people into the, into the play area? So we went and got tested mm -hmm. and we were going to demand sex cards, whatever. So we were going to, we got tested for STDs and then we had to ask for the special test herpes. I think, did we talk about this last time? About how sometimes they're not always accurate or what have you. Yes. So we had the herpes test done and the uh, STD test and both of us were uh, negative for everything and we were like, we should just shrink them down, laminate them, and then just carry them around. And then anyone who we want to play with, look, just at least show me whether you have any STDs or herpes. I think it's fair. I would ask if, because that's how much we, because then we could be lightened up a little bit. Right. In the bedroom. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then I'd be okay with, all right, it's just a condom or whatever, and you know, you don't have to. I've never used a dental dam. I've never really had to I I've been bad in my past and mm -hmm. oh my god taken so much risk and <laughs> luckily have you know never had an accident of any sort so I don't know you know I would if you if you want to play with a particular person that much go ahead and get the testing done yeah uh, and decide at what risk you want but like Dawn said, unless you rub each other's bodies while wrapped in saran wrap, right. you can't, there's, uh, there's just there risk. might be something that sneaks yeah. out, you know. And I also think that it's really important to point out that short of things like hepatitis or mm -hmm. HIV, yeah. STDs, yes, they can be rampant depending on the STD, like HPV. Mm -hmm. Most of them are not going to kill you. Right, they might right. just be mildly inconvenient. She pointed out she was a single mom. You know, right. if you were to end up with genital warts or if you were to end up with herpes, that's not going to impact your child at all. Right. Now, it, it might change some conversations that you have to have down the road with potential partners. Right. But it's not And that's the, end the of uncomfortable the world. part. Exactly. That is the uncomfortable that's part. That's the worst thing, I think, is a lot of people having to explain that, right. that part. Um, knowing people who might have genital herpes and that conversation they have to have with future partners or w what have you. Yeah. Or your current partners or what have you. Like, what? That And there's a lot of misinformation out there about those two. Yeah. And so I, the, it's important to educate yourself. Yeah. What was it you said most of them were false positives? My doctor told me that the, the herpes test has a lot of false positives because 75% of adults carry a version of herpes, like okay, with yeah, cold yeah, sores, yeah. that yeah. can trigger the test to say, yes, you have the bad kind. Uh, Most people are thinking, you know, oral herpes or genital herpes. Right. But the test can come back positive even if you don't have either of those right, types right. of herpes. Okay. And so then it can cause a lot of anxiety because you don't know if you have it or not. Right. Do you have the talk? You've never had symptoms. Right. So she just kind of warned me that that can be a test that induces a lot of stress it, unnecessarily. Trust me, I've seen it on people. I'm like, wow, you're like totally worked up over this. And, I'm, and I guess my thing is, go get some additional tests and or look, has your badge ever broke out with a bunch of mm -hmm. heebie-jeebies that don't look right? Yeah, you probably have it then, but yeah. you, you yeah. should go get it checked out. But yeah, people, it is a huge uh, amount of anxiety. But you know, honestly, there are so many people who don't care yeah. and who don't like use any protection. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that are, that are into risky sex, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot mm -hmm. of it is because it's exhilarating, but they don't want to use condoms, mm -hmm. you know, either because they like the risk or because obviously for a man yeah. wearing a condom does right. change sensation a little bit. Right. Some men argue it's a lot. Some men say it's really not that big of a deal. Yeah. So it just depends on who you're going to be playing with. Right. 
If you really want your partner to wear a condom and they resist at all, ditch. Just yeah. walk away. Like, you don't need that shit. I if agree. something is important to you and somebody starts to fight you on that, not worth it at all. Right. Find somebody who's going to respect the fact that you want them to use a condom because right. it's not that big a deal. And then you can have some fun, safe play. Right. The other thing that I'll say about just playing in STDs, a friend of mine from FetLife once said to me, if you ask a guy, have you been tested for for STDs, he's going to say yes, even if the answer is no, because it forwards the conversation. His advice to me was to change the question. When was the last time you were tested and where? Ah. That's not as easy to lie about quickly and forces them to actually think, and it stops them and allows for a more honest conversation because they're not just giving that automatic answer. Good question. So that might be something for everybody to just think about. When was the last time you were tested? When was the last time you were tested and where? Yes. That forces their brain to turn on and to think so that it's not the automatic, yes, let's get to the next thing because I don't want to talk about this anymore. Right. Just be smart about it and realize that if you want to be more sexually uninhibited, there are activities you can do that are low STD risk. And there are activities that you can do that will have a little more risk, but there's ways to work around that. You just have to decide what you're willing to do in order to have that fun that you want to have. Now that everybody is so much more aware of STDs, small things make a big difference. Yeah. We'll definitely have someone on down the road that is a medical professional that can talk to us about facts, statistics, and all of the things that we all should be more aware of. But for the purposes of this particular episode, each person has to just make a decision. Like, these are things I want to know. If I get cum in my eye and that guy had herpes, am I going to get a sty or am I going to get a herpes lump on my eye? You know what I mean? (laughs) I just want to know these things. We will find out and get back to you. You ask the hard questions, Dylan. (laughs) (laughs) Let me know how that works out. I need to know. That's right. STDs. It's possible, but don't let it completely hold you back from following what you want to do. Give yourself a little bit of room. Be smart. Ask good questions. And ask those questions right up front. Don't go a couple of dates in or a couple of conversations in. One of the first conversations you need to have if you're considering a play partner is have that testing conversation. And then it's out of the way and you can start planning ways to have fun. We've got another question that's a two-parter. I'll read them both and then we can attack them kind of as we see fit. First question. How does one become comfortable with themselves as it relates to sex? My mother was a prude and abused as a kid, so she kind of taught us sex is bad and never talked about it. As an adult, it has ruined what could be, have been, an amazing sex life. Two. Is it best to learn to please yourself before you can really get someone else to do it? So this person was raised in a household that had a lot of shame around sex and bodies. And she's asking, is there a way to kind of get over that? How do you become more comfortable with yourself and with sex? And then beyond that, I would imagine if you're raised in a household that's got a lot of shame around sex, there's a lot of shame around masturbation. She wants to know, is it best to learn to please yourself before somebody else can do it for you? What are your thoughts, Dylan? It's kind of, it was kind of like my situation. We never talked about sex in the house. We, we barely said I love you to each other in our family. It's like you knew, you know, part of it might be my heritage. You know, they just don't, they're very rigid. But you know there's love, it's just not spoken. Mm-hmm. Never 
got the sex's bad talk, sometimes take that back to one of our earlier questions where we said if you grew up in a household like that, you might have some issues. But I don't have an answer really. It's just something that you. I had to work that out on my own. But I definitely learned how to please myself before anyone else ever did. Why don't you put your two cents sure. in? Let me re-look at this question. I, I, <laughs> I was raised in a household that was pretty open about sex. My dad, not so much, but my mom was crazy open about sex. From a young age, I had books about sex and how babies were made. My mom told me stories about being a hippie in the 60s and 70s. And, ooh, Lord, my mom had some fun. I had a different experience than a lot of people had. I was allowed to have boys in my room and close the door when I was a teenager. And I felt comfortable asking my mom questions about sex. My friends came to me when they needed condoms because I wasn't ashamed to buy them. But even in a household like that, I had shame around masturbation. I did it hmm. regularly, but the thought of getting caught embarrassed me. Hmm. So I don't know where that came from. I don't know if that was just instilled in me from friends or if there's just something that you inherently learn as you get older that this is a very private activity mm -hmm. and your parent catching you doing something so sexual mm -hmm. is just embarrassing because you don't want them to see you as a sexual being. I mean, I didn't want to yeah. see my parents as sexual at all. So even with that, I had some stuff I need to kind of work through as I got older. Now, I know lots of people who grew up in households similar to this one. Because when I had my sex toy business, I can't tell you how many women I talked to who were in their 40s and 50s and had barely masturbated in their lives. And me standing there and educating them about sex toys and about their bodies and about orgasms was very freeing for them. It was almost as if it was the first time someone gave them permission to even think about pleasuring themselves that way. And it was such a rewarding thing but to be in your 40s or your 50s and to just now realize you're capable of pleasure and it's okay to explore that mm -hmm. made me sad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of missed opportunity and a lot of missed pleasure. I am a fan of self-pleasure. I think it's really important to just have a conversation with yourself and to realize that it's okay to explore and it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to touch your body and to look at your body and to appreciate your body. And sometimes it might feel a little awkward or sometimes it might not work the way that you think. But that, like you said, Dylan, is a journey that you kind of have to go on on your own. You have to decide it's time for you to start thinking about these things and to ridding yourself of the shame. Because you're not doing anything wrong when you are empowering yourself. And you're not doing anything wrong when you're appreciating the body that you've been given. And appreciation comes in lots of different forms. It comes in confidence. It comes in self-talk. And it also comes in the way that you please yourself. And really getting to know your body is one way to honor what you've been given. Yeah. I also like what you said that getting to know your body before you're spending a lot of time with somebody else is important. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to articulate what it is that you want. Yeah. I think, in order to have a really great exchange with somebody in the bed. Yeah, you got to look at yourself. Yeah. you got to check that vajayjay out yeah. or your peen. Look, take a mirror and look under your ball sack, whatever. Yeah, you need exactly. To, like, look at all of that. And I, have to, I think there, there's maybe two sides, two extremes, or and then some in the middle of what happens to somebody who comes from a sexually abused uh, background. You either have the 
overly promiscuous or in, in that particular household, somebody who was taught that it was bad and dirty and nasty. I actually came from the other side where I was, it's hard to say abused, somebody did some stuff to me, whatever, but I, from the moment I was small, I went with it, I explored it, you know what I mean? And I got in trouble by my aunt. I remember one time she <laughs> yanked me off my friend. We were school kids. And she's like beating me with an umbrella. It's like, what are you doing? And I was like, ah. <laughs> you know? And I, I can't even remember if it was a boy or a girl. And, and I'm just like going to town, whatever. We're playing doctors. And I got busted playing doctors so many times me with too. my friends in school. I, I did mean, too. Like elementary school. Yes. And making out with like let's kiss under the bed. Because it feels good and you see grown-ups do it. Yeah. yeah so, it's exploring. You know, and taboo or whatever. And there's a part of me that was like, this is bad. It's dirty or whatever. But then I'm like, no, because it feels so good. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, then you're a slut. And there's all these different things, and, you know, and I, I did talk therapy and needed all that stuff. And, and, you know, now I'm just a super freaky sex kink. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I love it. Whatever. You own it. But on the other side of it, when it came to raising my son, knowing full well that grown-ups take advantage of little children and all that horrible stuff, when the whole, you know, you talked about masturbation and being dirty and embarrassing or, you know, how some people might perceive it, when my son was really young, I caught him playing with himself and I was like, oh, I see you need some private time, and I just closed the door and let him finish <laughs> do whatever he right. needed to do. <laughs> so, you know, he was like in the third grade or whatever, just checking himself out. And you just have to, you know, that's how I did my household, even though that the household I grew up in was so much different. I never had the sex talk, and period came, and nobody told me anything, God. and all that horribleness, yeah. you know, and you're like, oh, God, I want to die, you know, <laughs> I was like, are you there, Margaret? It's me, God. What yeah. that book was? I was yeah. like, oh, God, what is going on right now? Yeah. <laughs> when my son was way young, I had the condom talk and everything and talk to me about this and he's talking to me about the vast deference when he had sex ed class oh. and, mom i didn't have any nocturnal emissions and <laughs> i'm mean, like what who uses those words <laughs> so we just you know and then every time i went to the gay pride i came home with boatloads of condoms and made sure he had them and you just have to put it out there but in this particular case here i would just say that you you definitely need to do some self-exploration and definitely, I would say, learn to please yourself first. Definitely. Because how can somebody else please you if you're not even quite sure how to please yourself? Right. It you can know? be kind of a fun exploration, yeah. but then it comes to Yeah. A Obviously, point. you won't know, is it going to feel good if somebody eats my pussy? Because you can't do that yourself. <laughs> but, you know, at least get down in there and check it out and feel it out and explore with a mirror and yeah explore with a mirror yes that's gonna feel really weird and yeah. yes you're gonna just I i'm telling you the first time you do that it's gonna be really really weird yeah. you're not gonna like it so do it more than once just because it's worth getting to know your body i also have asked my OBGYN during my annual exam to show me my cervix <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. I read that in a Planned Parenthood brochure, and they said you should understand what your cervix looks like. 
And so when I was in the middle of my exam, I asked my OBGYN, hey, can I see my cervix? And totally cool, you yeah. know, immediately pulled out a mirror and kind of showed me and talked to me about how it looked different. And yeah, I mean, it felt a little awkward asking, but my OBGYN sees, you know, 100 cervixes a day. Yeah. So she oh, didn't she care. said your cervix looked a little different? No, it's just that throughout the course of your cycle, your cervix changes shape oh, and oh, color. Oh, okay. So she was talking to me about that. But it was just really interesting to kind of see myself that way and to think about my body in a different way. But it was all in the spirit of me really wanting to have an intimate relationship with myself. Yeah, yeah. And I don't feel like I can be intimate with someone else if I can't be intimate with myself. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I am saying there's something really amazing when you're with a lover and you confidently know that this particular stroke is going to get you off faster than anything. Right, right, right. And when you're in that moment to be able to say, hey, if you do this, it's going to send me through the roof. And your partner is going to love that because they want to send you through the roof. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's just this whole explosion of hotness. Don't hesitate. Just get in there and try it. It's never too late. I'm telling you, I had 50-year-old women, 60-year-old women coming up and buying sex toys from me and then writing to me, you know, weeks later and saying, oh, my God, I didn't know my body could do that. Right. It's never, never too late. But start at some point because it's so worth it. And there are people who say, I haven't been able to have an orgasm or somebody hasn't been able to give me an orgasm or I I have myself, but even for myself, it's challenging. And when somebody tells me things like that, then I find it to be a challenge. (laughs) So you're like, okay, I will find something that gives you an orgasm. I'm gonna get you off. Tongue, fist, huge ginormous dildo, finger in the ass, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. something, we're gonna make it work. And that's what you should do for yourself when exploring. Yeah. If it's play with your clit while squeezing your nipples or sticking a finger in your ass and playing with your clit and whatever. You have to be able to do all of that mm-hmm. and that way you can tell your future partners what you like and what you don't like. Like, you know, I had, I had a partner once that said, never ever lick right on my clit. Never ever. I will punch <laughs> you in the nose. And I was like, okay, okay. I will never do I that. I will never so, lick you right on your clit. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, also think it's important to have friends that you can talk to this stuff yeah. about. Maybe that would be a good starting point is having an open relationship or an open conversation with a girlfriend where you can kind of ask questions if you're not sure how to do something or share concerns that you have. I remember being in college and talking to my roommate about some of the shame I had around masturbation. And when she said she kind of had that too, but she had gotten over it, it just allowed me to go, oh, well, I'm not the only one. And then all of a sudden the shame was gone because I realized I wasn't alone. Yeah. Also... Consider going into um, a high-end sex toy shop, one that's got really nice products and has educated staff there. I know here in the area, there's a great sex shop in Old Town Alexandria on King Street. The folks who work there are very, very open. They have great conversations. I've gone in there before and just said, hey, I'm looking for a new vibe. I don't know what I want. Maybe something that hits my G spot. And then we have an hour long conversation that's hysterical about all the different toys that are there. Another time I went in and said, I need some restraints, but I don't know what kind I want. She pulled down four different kinds and let me try them all on and told me what she thought about all of them. And because she does this every day, there was zero shame in the conversation. It was really empowering. So consider different ways for you to be able to have these conversations because the more you have the conversation, the less scary it becomes. Yeah. Have you ha- ever had experience with that? Is it the Hitachi wand? No. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, yeah. I do. Uh, the few people I know who have it, they're like, it's they love off, it. Yeah, yeah, off the wall, whatevs. It's very strong. Yeah. I would say 
the Hitachi wand is great for people who aren't super sensitive. And you know me, I told you last uh, podcast we had, like, yeah. it vibrates, keep it away from yeah, me. Yeah, Dylan is not wanting mm-hmm. to vibrate. But, you know, I'm okay. I, I like vibrators. Yeah, yeah. I don't use them very often anymore, but mm-hmm. in my 20s, yeah. I was buzzing the crap out of myself all the time. Yeah, it's changed. It's yeah. just, you know, your body changes. Yeah, consider getting a toy that you can use on yourself. And it doesn't have to be something you announce to your partner right away if you're ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. But at least give yourself permission to try something and you might not like it. And that's okay. Just try. So we're coming up on our 45 minute mark. I wanted to remind everybody that coming up, we are going to be attending Dark Odyssey, which is a three-day BDSM conference that's happening here in D.C. during the day. There's going to be seminars on all kinds of stuff that has to do with BDSM and sexual health. And at night, there's going to be play parties, hands-on experiences, some intense stuff, some fun stuff like burlesque shows. I will be there to cover all of it. And I will bring you a scary, awesome, bizarre, fantastic All Things PDSM report Mm -hmm. that we'll discuss. And don't forget to go to sexgetsreal.com to see all of our episodes and to submit a question or a comment. Dylan, you have anything else? That's all I have for today. Awesome. Well, be sure to stay tuned. We've got some amazing stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks. We want your questions. We want your comments. Lay it on us. This is Dawn. And this is Dylan. And this is Sex Gets Real.